Dose of Dog presented by Embark, another installment for all of you right now. Scott with you, as always, we've got Heather from Embark across the way. Don't forget to check out all of the previous episodes that we have uh, going back many, many, many an episode. Now, over the course of the last couple of years, a little of something for everybody. So check them out and of course, check them out online. Uh, for all of your doggy daycare needs. And I always mention the grooming that's going on <laughs> in the window. That's off to the side of us. Uh, a lot of happy doggies in there right now, Heather. Mm-hmm. We'll need to get, I, I keep saying, trying to entice the groomers to come on the podcast, but they were like, ooh, I don't know if I can talk that long. So <laughs> maybe I'll have to do an interview or something with them once because grooming is a is a big part of a lot of dogs' worlds. Well, just to spitball right now, we, I, I've heard some people say they, they want to kind of hear a little bit more from the, the grooming side of things but that mm. that's a future episode yes all right for right now <laughs> yes. i know today on the table <laughs> today you want to talk about sort of uh it, it's it's similar to any good uh, relationship yeah being able to read the body language of 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 somebody else and kind of kind of know it's how many times we heard a significant mm-hmm. other or a friend say i shouldn't have to tell you i just want you to know <laughs> and kind of similar You know, how a dog owner, a dog caretaker has to look at uh, their dogs. And you want to tell people, educate people on how to maybe do that better going forward. Yeah, I I think that's a good that's a good starting point is these are relationships we have with our dogs. Right. I mean, you know, we we own them. And I know that maybe rubs people the wrong way that we we own dogs. Um and, and I'm, I think we, we do, <laughs> but but I don't think that's a, a, I guess, appropriate way to describe our relationship with them because it is a relationship. You know, we, we had that fantastic episode on pet loss and, you know, Athena talked a lot about how these are relationships that are so intimate. I mean, your dog is with you. You know they're they're laying at your feet all the time. They sleep at the end of your bed. They're they're in the bathroom while you're going to the bathroom and you're showering and you're making dinner. And it's it's we don't have a lot of relationships with humans that are that intimate. Um, I mean, obviously deep, you know, of course. But but I think our dogs are a relationship. We kind of sometimes forget that it is a relationship. It is a two way street, and so. You know, we're, we're recording this podcast at the, it's the first of the new year, right? So it's 2023. I know everyone makes resolutions and maybe that's a good or a bad idea. I'm not always sure. <laughs> but I think it's a good time to kind of look at our relationships with our dogs. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about this. I mean, you know, my gosh, we've talked about body language and building better relationships and meeting your dog's needs and supporting them through things. Um and, and I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into that. So what does that mean, um, you know, to kind of look at the relationships we have with our dogs? You know, and it, it's an odd way to look at having animals. But if you look at our dogs, they're kind of like captive domesticated animals. And I know I've said that before, and it's a really, it's kind of a flip to maybe how we look at our dogs but you know none of our dogs really asked to come and live with us <laughs> like it's not a decision that they made that said I would like to live in this home with this particular person who enjoys these kinds of hobbies and and um, it's not a decision that they made so I think it warrants taking a look at their needs and 
maybe just kind of like an intimate look at the things they enjoy and trying to maybe meet some of those needs. And, you know, we've talked about this with behavior problems. We, we've, we've discussed how meeting our dog's needs <clears throat> in many ways can help decrease, sometimes can take away behavior problems. And there's so many parallels to this in the human world. And I am not an expert whatsoever on, on you know, human uh, relationship issues or whatever it might be. But, um, but I am with dogs. And I can tell you that once we start really looking at the needs of our dogs, it kind of helps soothe a lot of the maybe relationship issues that we have with our dogs. And when I say relationship issues, you know, whether that is a behavior that you're having at home where your dog is anxious about a certain situation or they are, um, you know, more like frantic during certain times or they're, you know, barky at other dogs or strangers or whatever it might be. Now, all of those issues obviously are, are something that we would address with a behavior plan, but there's kind of a parallel route to a lot of those behavior issues that that we can help to mitigate with just looking at what our dog needs. And you know, if we look at our human needs and the things that we enjoy to do, you know, the times in our lives where those things are taken away from us for a long time, I mean, it causes a lot of stress on us. You know, whether you feel it, um, you get sick, I mean, all of those things you know, our dogs experience too. I mean, they're living sentient beings. So, you know, I, I think my challenge for everyone, and, and some of us are better, some of us are really good at this, some of us aren't good at this, some of us are just kind of learning what it's like to live with a dog, is is looking at these captive domestic animals that we share our lives with and doing some observations. And, and I think taking some time to really look and watch what they're doing is helpful in just kind of maybe prioritizing some of the things that you might do to meet some of their needs. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and I think a lot of this kind of centers around choice. You know, there's a lot of evidence in in a lot of research in the human world and in the animal world on how how if an animal has control over parts of their lives, over situations, it's probably one of the biggest ways to reinforce them. And so, and, and control is really... I mean, if you look at the definition is really the perception of control. Like, do they actually have control? I mean, you know, when we take our dogs on like a long line walk, we're giving them a lot of control, but yet we are still maintaining control in the end because we do have the end of a long line. But the dog's perception of that environment is that they do have control. They can go where they want and they can walk left and they can walk right and they can circle back and they can go back and smell. And so we're giving them the perception that they have some control of the environment, which they do, but ultimately, obviously, it's our our responsibility to keep them safe. So let's take a look at these captive animals that we share our lives with and look at where are some times in their day that we can give them a little bit of control and, and find out what they like. And I think on the surface, most of us kind of know what our dogs like to do, but this is kind of a deeper dive. Let's take a look at observing some things that they do during the day on a daily basis that we can kind of pick little pieces of data off some of what our observations are. So first, the first piece I think to look at is body language. And my gosh, we've talked a lot about body language. I mean, dogs are brutally honest with their bodies. Um, and it depends on how much you know, whether you can kind of take some of that information out of what their body language is saying. 
So some of the things that I want to challenge you to kind of look at are just do some body language observations. So how does your dog act when you approach them? How do they act when you get their food ready? How do they act when strangers come over? Do they like to be touched on their head? Do they shy away from being touched on their, you know, right rear? Um, If you just really watch them rather than your dog just coming up and you kind of snuggling in with them, can you really watch to see what their body language is saying while you touch parts of their body Um, and see if there's a spot that that you just observe is different than the others because that's really good information. (laughs) Um, A lot of the dogs I see in behavior consulting are um, a lot of dogs have medical issues that are undiagnosed. And once we really start diving into a medical history and, and I watch them move, sometimes we'll point out little pieces to say, gosh, I think maybe, you know, your dog is having some pain. Look at how they move. Look at how they get up. Look at how they sit down. Do they always choose to, does your dog always choose to like lay on their left hip or on their right hip? And some of that is habitual, right? If they, if they want to lay in the living room and they want to be able to observe the entire room from a corner, they're probably going to lay against a couch or on a couch on a right side of their body or whatever that might look like. But can you observe them at other times? Um, Do they get up slower in the morning? Do they lay down slower in the afternoon? Um, If you've got males that lift their legs, do you have dogs that, does your dog always lift their left leg or their right leg? Or what does that kind of look like um, in their world? So can you look at what maybe physically might be going on and just take some observations. Um, Is it harder for your dog to scratch the left side of their head than their right? I mean, all of those pieces, once you really start looking, are going to give you a lot of information in terms of what's kind of going on with their body. Um, And that helps us with, like I said, looking at potential pain, looking at maybe, and maybe it's not, you know, an acute pain where, you know, they they strained a ligament or something in a right rear. It could be, excuse me, are they developing maybe some arthritis or something like that? So observations of how they move and what their body language looks like are going to be really important. How does your dog look when a friendly stranger approaches them? So maybe your neighbor comes over to, you know, drop off the drill that they borrowed um, and they go to pet your dog. Does your dog kind of shy away from that? Um, because that little tiny movement of their head, maybe a little quick ear back, maybe a little bit of whale eye, it might happen in like a second. It might happen within, you know, the first second that someone approaches them, but that's really good information. (laughs) Um, just to tell you, Hey, you know, maybe they don't like strangers touching them and that's appropriate, right? A lot of us don't like strangers touching us. So watching what their body language does in a lot of contexts. When you're out on walks, um, you know, are they more sensitive to sounds than they were last year? You know, the plow goes by and do they kind of shy away from that? Are there particular areas on your walk where they seem to be more engaging in that environment? I mean, that's something to really watch for. Um, And you know, a lot of the times when we take our dogs out on walks, we're kind of in our own world too. (laughs) And I totally get that. Um, you know, we're in our own world and we're thinking about our own issues and what tomorrow's going to be like and, you know, all of the life things that we have to contemplate on a walk. But can you take some time just to observe them? You know, you're kind of following them. That's their little moment of kind of sniffing where they want to smell. And, and with that, 
you can take some observations. Where do they like to smell? Where do they like to read the p-mail? Um, what spaces do they want to walk past quickly? Are they intrigued by the sewer, the sewer grate or do they avoid the sewer grate? Do they, if they hear noises afar, are they interested or do you see a little tiny bit of stress in their their body language at that moment. I mean, those are all just really good, in, really good information um, to kind of gather. And and the reason it's helpful is it will help you in the future. So it might be predictive of something that maybe you would like to kind of work on with your dog if they're worried about maybe a sound or something. So when you're out with them, when you're walking with them, when they're around the house, I just want you to, to kind of observe what their bodies are doing. Um, take some data, write it down, keep it in your head. Um, but really watch them. And it's really interesting on a walk. If you just stop and you really see what your dog is engaging in, um, you know, are they, can you notice that they're tracking where like the neighbor's cat walked through the boulevard? Are they, are they interested in, you know, a place where a lot of kids got off the bus and they really want to smell where those kids have been? I mean, what kind of smells, what kind of environments are they intrigued by watching? I think it's so fascinating with my own dogs to watch um, when we're walking where their noses lead them. And sometimes it looks like nothing. You know, they'll both kind of go to a spot and they'll just be really intrigued with something that was there. This past summer, there was a spot where um, on our property that, that I found owl pellets. So I think there's a great horned owl that will come and hunt one of our big prairies. And it was interesting because last year they were obsessed with this one little spot on the ground. And so I just kind of followed them over there and I was like, gosh, I wonder what they're smelling. I mean, it didn't look like anything on the ground. And I found a tiny, tiny, I think I have an Instagram picture of it, a tiny little songbird leg. Like it was probably a sparrow or something that had probably one of the raptors had eaten and it had just fallen below them. I mean, you know, this is a huge giant prairie and they found this, you know, five centimeter tiny little songbird leg on the ground underneath them. I mean, that's pretty amazing that your dogs can are capable of, you know, of finding those kinds of things. So uh, it's really fascinating if you kind of watch to see where they're smelling um, and where it kind of leads them. I think that's just a, a really fascinating part of, of getting to know your dog. So body language, super important. One other thing I want you to look at is how do they like to play? So, you know, and this is something that I think we as adults aren't really good at. <laughs> some people, I shouldn't say that. There are some people that are really good at. But I think, gosh, a lot of us, I think, aren't really good at playing with our dogs sometimes. I think that we often, we often will <sighs> engage with them maybe with like a toy. You know, we'll play tug with them or something. But one of the things I want you to look at is how does your dog play how does your dog like to play? So some things to ask yourself. And we, we talk about this in my Extreme Real Life Rover class. We, we call it naked play. That's one of their assignments in the week, which which usually gets some some big eyes looking at me when they see that on their homework sheet. But what I want them to look at is how does your dog like to play? So do they like to be chased? Do they like to be the chasee? Do they like um, running games? Do they like wrestling games? Do they like um, to engage with a toy? Um, how do they like to play? Because, you know, breed specifics are really important when it comes to play. Um, usually play is kind of a ritualized, 
you know, piece of how they might do their job. You know, you watch the Border Collies and they, you know, when they play with other dogs, they often kind of do an outrun where they kind of stay on the outsides of the group. Um, and maybe they'll go in once in a while. Um, <clears throat> Aussies play different. Terriers play very different. Um, you know, smaller companion dogs like Cavalier King Charles, their play is often very different than like a terrier who's been bred to rat. And so I think the breed specifics when it comes to our own dogs and looking at how they play is really fascinating. And again, you can glean so much information by just observing maybe how your dog is interacting with another dog. How is your dog interacting with your kids? Um, and again, that goes back to body language. Are they comfortable? Uncomfortable? Are they really comfortable? Because watch how your kids play with dogs or just kids in general. They're really actually pretty good at it. <laughs> you know, we often have this outcome, um, you know, um, in our head of, well, we want to play for five minutes to wear them out. But can you play with them in a way that just is relationship building? So can you, if they like to play tug, can you play tug? If they like to play wrestle games, can you play wrestle games? Um, do they like to be chased or do they like to be the chasee? Um, <clears throat> that's another one. Do they like a flirt pole? Most dogs love a flirt pole. Um, do they like to play tug? Do they like to play frisbee? Um, but think about a game that you will be part of the equation in terms of interacting. Um, do they like to play a game where, you, I don't even know what this would be called, but everyone knows what it is, or you have your hand under a blanket and you kind of like come at them with your hand under the blanket and they bite your hand and you play this little bitey game with them. Do they like that kind of game? So those are all just really good pieces of what is something that I could do with my dog that we could kind of interact with together. Okay, so that might be something that that you could kind of take a look at, at, at a way to interact with them that they might really enjoy. Um, so different kinds of play. Um, and, and again, sometimes we can get information like that from looking at how they interact with other dogs, um, looking how they interact with kids. Again, that's a good one. Um, and, and tug, a lot of dogs like tug. And, and remember, I think I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this at some point that, that, Tug is an awesome game to play. I know some people say, you know, it creates dominance and all this ridiculous foolishness. Um, but when you play it appropriately and you kind of have rules to like, this is how we play together. This is when we drop. This is how we restart. Um, oh my gosh, such a fantastic game. And it's not that your dog is, you know, they're responsible for the toy or whatever it might be, but you're playing a game together. So there is some object, an intermediate object that you're interacting with together, which again, what an awesome way to build a relationship. Um, you know, you're, you're playing this interactive game together. So, <clears throat> so I, I challenge you to do some observing as far as play. Um, you know, how does your dog like to play? And some of our dogs, you know, if they're raised by themselves, they're maybe good at like solo play. They could play all their own. Um, some dogs are a little bit more, uh, more, I guess they, they'd like to play with a dog or with another dog. So that's another thing to kind of, um, look out for when, with play. So take some observations. How do they, how do they like to play? The other piece to it that I'd like you to kind of, um, look at is again, the smells. So looking at, you know, smells and how they like to smell. Um, but then just during the day, what is their daily routine? Like what's their natural activity schedule? And I'm sure people that have kids are really good at this because you know when your kids need to eat and they need to nap and, and parents 
which I am not a parent, are so good at this because they're they're so in tune to when the kids need to eat and play and when they need to go to the bathroom and all of those pieces. But sometimes with our dogs, we don't really maybe observe that as much as we would with a child. But when are they more active? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it in the evening? Um, you know, we always talk about puppy witching hour when the puppies kind of get this <clears throat> wild little spurt of energy. Um, and, and sometimes that will fade as an adult, but oftentimes they might have spots where they are more active during certain times of the day. And I think if you're observant to that, you can take a look at adding something in to that space where you could maybe do a little bit of play with them. Um, maybe have them, you know, that's where maybe you'd add in a flirt pole or, or something. Oh my God, my dogs, <laughs> poor Scott, my dogs are trying to wrestle on his lap. <laughs> Um, so think about those kinds of pieces. What can you, what can you add in? And, and granted, there are going to be days where, you know what, some of these things aren't going to happen. And that's just our life. That is very normal <laughs> in the animal world and just in the, um, um, having, you know, caretaking of any kind of a creature. But I think if you take some observational data, it's going to give you a lot of information. It's going to give you information as to whether, did something physically in their body change where now maybe they don't like to be touched or they don't like to be handled or they're uncomfortable with something? What is their body language saying around certain contexts? Other people, other dogs, strangers coming in. Um, that is such good information to gather from your dog because it's going to tell you what's going on today, but then it's something that you can observe changes over time, which I tell you, doing behavior work, this is just so important because these are the questions I like to ask people. You know, did your dog always do this? Did they stop doing this? Did they, um, do they full body shake anymore? Do you see them full stretch in the morning? Um, all of those pieces may seem really minor, but in the long run, if you have that information in your head, you can look back and say, gosh, Heather, I noticed that this change, or to your veterinarian, I noticed that this has, my dog really hasn't done this particular thing in a long time or now they're very different around this thing or maybe on our walks they're not really interested in you know smelling where they used to smell I mean those things are all just really good information for us to gather you know some some important feedback as to how their body feels and how the dog is doing in the moment which with any relationship we would look at that right like here is something maybe you're struggling with how can I support you in a way that's going to help you kind of through this so my challenge to everyone in the new year, well, in and any any time really, it's not even in the new year, um, isn't necessarily a a resolution. Um, it's simply just being more mindful and taking more observations of kind of what your dog is doing. And I think over the long term, the more data you have in your head, the more it's really going to give you information when your dog maybe begins to struggle with something or something in their life changes, whether it is a behavior issue, whether it is a physical issue, whether it is a new context that they're struggling to adapt to. Um, you know, their body language is going to give them so much information and you might be thinking that your dog is thinking one way, but I think in terms of of just in good relationships, we can never assume our dog feels a certain way until we kind of have some data um, that supports why they might be uncomfortable in a certain situation. So go forward into this year, um, just being a really good observer. And I think it will, will help you in your relationship long term.